Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zwei Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting advice and guidance in your ear. Zweig Group's team of experts have spent more than three decades elevating the industry by helping AEP and environmental consulting firms thrive. And these podcasts deliver invaluable management, industry, client, marketing, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts, elevating the design industry one episode at a time. Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I am excited to be with you today. As always, I always am excited because there's nothing like learning something new about the design industry. And I have had the pleasure of pressing record for this White Letter podcast since 2016, almost maybe late 2015. So, I mean, I'm really dating myself now, but it's exciting to be able to do this, to be able to share these stories. There's so many really high quality individuals that we've had a chance to come in contact with, not just the people that are, that work at Zwy Group and make Zwy Group what it is, but we've had so many industry leaders within the design industry space on this podcast, and we will continue to do that. And I'm really excited about what the next season holds for this Zwy Glitter podcast. So if you're a dedicated listener, which I know you are, I just want to encourage you to stay tuned because we've got some really great stuff coming up. But I'm starting all that off with the fact that I have somebody that I've been chomping at the bit to sit down with and have a conversation. And Keith Sequera is the director of data analytics at Zwei Group. That's kind of a newer role that we have here at Zwei Group. And, you know, Keith is is certainly a, a very capable individual that joined the firm. I don't know. How long ago was that, Keith? Was that two One years year. ago? One year. Okay. So it's been over a year. So yeah. Well, man, I'm excited to have you here today to kind of tell share the audience a little bit about yourself and, and specifically about what you're doing as the director of data analytics. So for our audience, just give us your Cliff Notes superhero origin story. Who is Keith? And then we'll jump into what you're doing right now and why data is so important to you. Thank you, Randy. Thanks for having me. Oh, Cliff Notes version. I've been here one year. I worked at a healthcare consultant prior to this, working in uh, business intelligence Prior to that, I worked for Verizon for 11 years, doing some more data work. And I, this has been a whirlwind year for sure. It's exciting to be here. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you are representing, especially in this area of data analytics, which I know is important to Zwei Group. I know 
I mentioned to you when we first when we first started talking before I hit record that you know the data piece and Zweig has been something that they have been doing since literally since day one since Main Street in Natick, Massachusetts, where Mark and Fred White started Zweig Group, and you know I think I think it's always been interesting to see the evolution of how data is being used in this industry, and if if you think about just all of the information that Zweig Group is informed on that causes you to do the things that you guys do on a regular basis. And when I go to, to the Zweig website, and it's at zweiggroup.com for the uninitiated, there's so much information there. If you go and you just look at everything that Zweig Group's doing, all the publications that are available, and then you've got this new section, which is under the awards section, where you can find out more information about Zweig Group Insights and that there's just so much information there. And it's because of the growth of computers and technology and now artificial intelligence, data is literally at our fingertips. And I mean, that's that's what you excel at. What would you say, since you you are newer to this industry, what has been your biggest aha moment when it comes to the data that Zweig handles and manipulates and disseminates to the industry. What what has been your biggest aha moment when it comes to that, given that data is your thing? I feel like there's so much data that we're capturing prior to joining this industry. I didn't realize when you talk about BIM technology or, you know, architecture as, as it is today, that was new to me. I came from healthcare where it seemed like, oh yeah, data, there's a ton of data when you talk about electronic medical records and such. I was naive when I came to this industry thinking that, oh, yeah, it's it's not we don't capture that much data, you know. And then at Zweig Group specifically, all of our surveys are, you know, that's data that we capture. We, we survey the industry. We reach out to firms for them to participate in our surveys. All that data is captured. And that's what I manage. What you refer to Zweig Insights a little bit, that is just taking or starting to take a lot of this data that we've captured previously and presented in our reports on our reporting, on our publications page, all of those products are shifting and moving towards being presented on Zweig Insights. And so far, we just have a couple products on there, but eventually we hope to have all of the publications on Zweig Insights. Yeah. And so, and just kind of as a teaser, I mean, a couple of those products that you have on there currently are best firm to work for, and you have some uh, compensation information that are part of Zweig Insights. And that makes sense, right? Because like I told you before, when I got here in 97 and I joined what was then Zweig White and Associates, that was like one of the number one questions that I would hear from companies. What are other companies doing that's setting them apart, right? So that's the best firm to work for. You get a lot of that data in there. You find out how companies are operating. What are they doing? What's in their quote unquote secret sauce that separates them? Why are they doing so well? Why are their numbers through the roof? Why uh, they're, you know, they just always constantly able to get new projects on board and, and to get those projects completed and done so fast. And then, of course, what are people paying people? Right. I mean, at, you know, if you really bear it down to its, its, its essence, I mean, how do I know that this senior project manager that I'm about to hire that's an architect for K through 12 work? How do I know that I'm paying them the right amount of money compared to what their colleagues or what their peers might be getting? at similar firms in this community that we're currently in, right? That information is so valuable, but it is so hard to get a hold of, right? It's like, it's kind of like trying to hold them, 
that squishy stuff in your hands that the kids play with that just kind of, as you hold it and you squeeze it, it just starts coming through your fingers and everything. And you can never quite get control of it. And that's been the case with data in this industry. But you guys are trying to kind of master that. And you bring up a really good point, which I think is important. Are you going to find a way to take all of the information that Zwei Group has amassed over the years, right? Because when you think of like all of the surveys that have been done over the years, and I'm just looking at, I'm looking at a list of surveys. And for some people that may not be aware of all the surveys that Zwei Group has done, but there are so many different surveys, salary survey, valuation, financial performance, fee and billing, recruitment and retention, one of my favorites, principals, partners, and owners surveys, project management surveys, IT surveys, incentive compensation surveys, another important topic, marketing surveys, and as I like to say it, PP and B, but for the lay folks, I'll say policies, procedures, and benefits survey. There are so many surveys that Zweig has been putting out for years. I mean, we have decades worth of data through some of these surveys. My simple question to you, and without putting you on the spot, are you trying to figure out a way to harness some of that data for access in the future in maybe a different form than it currently is? Because I know I could go and buy old issues. Old issues of all of these surveys exist in PDF form. You, you want to buy any of them from the Zui Group, you can certainly do that. You can go right online and you know the, all those publications are available, especially in PDF form. But my question to you is with all of that data that we know are in tables somewhere and There are spreadsheets all over the place with a lot of the information that was gleaned from this. Is it your hope to kind of harness all of that through Zweig Insights? Yes. And outside of Zweig Insights for now, too, because like you said, a lot of that data has been captured over the course of the, you know, last 10, 15 years, ton of it before I even started here. And my work for the last year has been just that, taking that data and loading it into a database so that we can gain some insights from this data in, in a little more structured format, you know? So yes, to answer your question, simply yes, eventually all of it hopefully will end up on Zweig Insights. That's the long-term goal. Yeah. I had another thought about the best firms to work for data set. And that does some of the same things that you're already talking about. You know, I mean, it, we have now two years worth of data of best firms work for data in Zweig Insights, 2022 and 2023. And as a participant, you get to see not just your data in the in Zweigen sets, but also the benchmarks of all of the data that we've collected over the course of the year. So that that is readily accessible inside in this seamless you know environment on Zweigen sites. Okay, and so just so I know, and so that people listening to this have an understanding, it is a subscription, right? I, I can, as a firm, I can participate in the best firms to work for fill out that survey, put that information in there, then obviously I'm assuming I get access to the information that we've uploaded. But then if I want to subscribe to the overarching program that offers all of that data, I can do that to kind of see how we benchmark ourselves against other firms that are like ours. As it stands right now, as a uh, best firms to work for participant, awards participant, you get access, complimentary access to Zweig Insights. And that's where you access your data and then see the benchmarks against all the other benchmarks against the industry. If you, and I know we're pivoting a little bit here, but if you purchase the compensation data platform, that is separate. It's still within Zweig Insights, 
but it's a separate product. Neither of them are subscription-based products, but that's the intent in the future, at least with a compensation data platform. Yeah. I mean, I can see where, where that would, it would make sense to do that. Right. And, and then of course, if you, you know, you add those two letters to the equation, AI, that just changes everything. Right. Because I mean, if you think of all of the publications that I just ran off to you in some way, shape or form, those could be dumped theoretically into a large language learning model and could be distilled by query by anybody. And then it's like, wow, you, okay, so all of a sudden I've got almost 35 years worth of data and information at my fingertips. So I can kind of go back to the late 80s to kind of see how the industry has trended, where it's going. I could maybe get really granular in terms of location. And all of that information can inform me as a design professional in terms of where I'm going next with my fill in the blank company. Is that fairly accurate? Yeah, yeah. We'd love to get there. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm not saying that. And But I mean, again, that's the idea, right? Everybody's trying to to leverage that information. And AI is now making it so that if you literally, you could have a Zweig bot, a Zweig computer that literally would know everything about the industry, at least as it pertains to all the data and information that Zweig has compiled and pulled together over the last 35 plus years. And then if you, if you add into that, I mean, I mean, my head is spinning now. If, if you add into that every article written for the Zweig Letter publication, which has run since 1992, that's 31 years of data. And then, I know I'm the new kid on the block when it comes to information, but if you add in all the audio transcripts for every podcast episode that's been done, 228 podcasts since 2016, that's a lot of information. I mean, you're talking about millions of pages of information. Yeah. I know you had Kristen Couts on the podcast recently. I did. Yeah. I did. did, did, I did. And we these... talked about AI. Yeah. It's interesting, I think. I think that it takes a lot to build the structure around your data before you can apply machine learning models against it. And I think that's where we are right now, you know, still trying to organize our data and trying to get it in a fashion to where we can quickly publish our reports and such. But then hopefully down the road, yes, I agree. Take it into to the ne- next level. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be huge because it's like, because even now with ChatGPT, they have plugins that you can use to read web pages, but that's, you know, that's what ChatGPT is able to do. What, what Zui could potentially and probably will create is something that is uniquely theirs. And then that way, that information that you're, you are developing is, it's all coming from the house of Zweig. Everything that you see there is part and parcel of all of the work that's been done over the years. And again, I venture to say that every area that you touch would be affected and impacted by that data. All of the work that you do on the M&A side, all of the strategic planning side, all of the uh, ownership transition work that you do. I mean, just imagine having, you know, I mean, we, we kind of have a playbook for OT, but just imagine being able to take really granular data from an OT perspective and share that with, you know, firm owners that are in the twilight of the career that are ready to make a move and they can make the right decision about what's the best way for me to get out from under this company and still keep it in, in, intact and, and running properly. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just what have other folks in, in this situation done, but 
what have other folks with all of these other criteria in the same situation done, right? You know, that's the type of playbook that you're talking about, which I think, yeah, AI is going to facilitate for sure. Yeah. So what are some of your, want to kind of go down the list of some of the things that you've kind of come to understand from your perspective of data analytics, especially, and we'll start with best firms to work for. What is the one thing that has stood out for you about the data that you're able to glean from those that participate in this program. And, I, and by the way, I'm encouraging anybody listening to this. If you haven't been awarded a best firms to work for award and you just have felt like, ah, we're probably not ready for it. Or I don't think, it, you know, a lot of firms think that, but I would encourage you to fill out the application and participate in the survey because it will certainly benefit you in the long run. And, you know, there is a lot of information to be had from that. But Keith, I'd love to get your thoughts from a data perspective. What has been, you know, the biggest piece of information for you as you started kind of looking under the hood at this? I think what's the most interesting to me isn't necessarily insights about the firms from Best Firms Work For program, but more so how firms are using this data. Because that, when I joined Zweig Insights, was just we were just getting ready to release Best Firms to Work For on Zweig Insights. And we had a little meeting with a few firms just to get some feedback, you know, from our customers about how, whether this was worth it, whether they would find any value in it. And immediately there were folks that jumped at it and said, this is great. This is what I needed. This is what I have been. I've been spending time taking the employee sentiment data that we get back from the survey, compiling it so I can present to leadership. And that is now a readily, easily accessible on Zweig Insights. You know, you could just go to the Zweig Insights page, go to your best firms to work for dashboard, and then you have drill downs to each of the categories that we have, you know, for culture, for rewards and recognition. And uh, uh, there's about six different categories. And then within that, there are subcategories too. So you can actually see, in some cases, the actual responses from the employees for those uh, questions from the survey. Hmm. I mean, I just, it's nice that you can get that granular with it in terms of having an understanding of what people are saying, because it certainly does inform policy and procedures as you move forward. So what would you say about the specifically compensation data, since that's the next thing that is part of Zwag Insights? What has been your biggest takeaway from that? So, I mean, the what we have on Zwag Insights right now is the mid-year update. So it's not the full data set. It's just what we collect from the beginning of the year, from January till about June. And that's what we've released on there. It's essentially the replacement, if you would, to the total compensation tool, which was an Excel spreadsheet tool that you would use to benchmark your salary or your your compensation against the industry. So that's essentially been replaced by the compensation data platform on Zweig Insights. It includes a lot of the same data, you know, salary, bonus, regional breakdowns, your breakdown by demographic, by firm size. I think there's years of experience as well. Insights, I mean, I don't, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything specific that stood out from this data set, just because it's a smaller data set than what we, what we publish at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And then, so, but the hope though, is that eventually, not only what you're, what you're working on right now, but you'll be able to go back and take the data, the old data and put it through this process? Yes. It isn't set up for that just yet, but eventually we will have trends in there and you know, you'd know you be able to see where the industry is going, similar to what we have for the end of the year report. 
Okay. All right. That makes sense. So, and, and I want to talk to you about another area that is obviously a big concern for design firms, and that's IT. And I know that, you know, there's a lot of spending on IT, especially when it comes to cloud storage. And, and then, you know, when you think of just about the increase of cloud computing, do you have a handle on any of that information as it pertains to that? And what, are, what have been some of the biggest takeaways from the data that you guys have found in the IT space? So the IT report just came out a couple months ago. And uh, one of the ones that stood out to me were the median shared online disk storage in cloud increased to 17 terabytes. And actually, right before this call, I went, I was like, well, what is 17 terabytes? How much, how much data is that? <laughs> and I looked, I mean, I was just looking for examples. And actually, you know, what stood out was how many podcast episodes can we fit into 17 terabytes? Obviously, there's a whole bunch of different, different details that go into that. 150,000 one-hour episodes can fit in 17 terabytes of data. Now, that's increased from just, it was only three terabytes back in 2019. Additionally, we also see the report says that we're going to have about a 50% increase in cloud computing spending over the course of the next year. But this is, I mean, this is we all see this right daily. This is remote work. This is collaboration across the, across the world that's happening remotely. You can access files from anywhere. And that goes to show why, why you've seen these exponential increase in storage. Cloud well, storage. you know, I, I mean, yes, we all do see it. I don't think we always connect the dots about that, right? It's like, yeah, we see it. I know that, you know, my, my Dropbox bill has gotten a little bit more. My bill for Canva has gone up a little bit. My bill for fill in the blank, whatever service that's online that has some type of cloud storage that has gone up. But I don't think we always think of it that way. And so, you know, I know that for some companies, the more that that, that they can control of their cloud storage online, the better. But I mean, you know, there are so many options nowadays with AWS out there being the, you know, the big kid on the block. There's all kinds of options for you, whether you're a big firm, medium firm, small firm to access and control your own cloud computing models to to take advantage of that. But you're right, 17 terabytes is a lot. And I mean, I have a, I think I'm doing something with my little two terabyte sand disk, but, you know, times that by six and or times that by eight plus one is that's what you're talking about. That's a lot of information. So, you know, and I think, I think the other piece of it is though, that the footprint that that takes up is so small from a data perspective, right? When you think of what AWS is offering, it's pretty interesting. So, right, right, and, and you know, additionally, I was just thinking about things that moving to the cloud uh, assists. You know, there's if folks that aren't that are thinking about it but haven't done it yet, you have improved operational efficiency. You have reduced time spent on accessing your data, transferring your data, scalability, growth. I mean, that's it's easy to scale when you're using these cloud options. Your data protection and recovery. You might not think about that when you're doing an on-premise. Yeah. If you have an IT department, yes, you are thinking about that, but I mean, you might have to think extra about your protection of your data if you have an on-premise option. But if you move to the cloud, that's immediate. That's, it's almost a given that you're going to have a backup and recovery solutions that added on. It does create, you know, comes with increased IT security demands. You have to be trained. You have to be aware and then the one caveat I think is, you know, vendor dependence. You might end up dependent on one specific vendor, like you said, AWS or maybe Azure, and then you might have to move along with whatever products that they're selling as this goes on into the future. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, and certainly, I mean, you, you every design firm either has a full or part-time IT person that should be on the handle for that. I'd be curious to know, are you finding that more firms are bringing their IT resources in-house in the sense of like hiring a full-time person? Or do you see kind of like a hybrid where some firms have full-time, 100% deployed IT people versus utilizing an outside consultant? I should have had my IT report up so I could tell you exactly uh, <laughs> what what it was, but I don't have it off the top of my head. Sorry. Okay. That's no problem. I mean, that's that would be an interesting finding, right? Because when you think of, and that's something that we will have to report on, um, and maybe specifically what I'll have you do is shoot me a quick blurb that we can put in the show notes just specifically about the percentage of firms that have in an in-house versus utilizing external. And if they are utilizing external, how are they doing it? You know what I'm saying? And so I think there would be some value. There'd be some value in having that information. So let's talk about the the elephant in the room. And, and that elephant is known by many things. It's known as talent acquisition. It's known as recruitment and retention. But that's always, and we had this conversation before we started recording, it's one of the most important things that design firm leaders and design firm owners acutely aware of. And it's their challenges when it comes to recruitment and and retention. And I know that you found some information with regard to the hiring process that came about with the most recent survey that stood out to you. And I'd love for you just to kind of speak to that specifically. Yeah. So one of the things that that was really interesting was that firms highly prioritize cultural fit you know, versus recommendations or past work experience and such. And it was it was as high as 4.7 on a scale of one to five. Along with that, though, smaller firms tend to emphasize recommendations more, potentially due to their lack of an in-house hiring staff. And then while larger firms place uh, greater importance on past work experience. Speaking to like the cultural fit, though, I think cultural fit significantly affects employee satisfaction, motivation, and overall performance. Hiring individuals who fit well into the existing culture can lead to better teamwork, improve communication, and reduce friction. Again, I've, every time I say something like this, I feel like that's a given. You think everybody feels that way, right? <laughs> right, um, right. But I don't think that's always the case. Well, I think with recruitment and retention, there are some very nuanced aspects to it. Right. And I think it, a lot of that depends on it. And I, I've heard people say that, you know, yeah, I think sometimes firms are too overly reliant on cultural fit as the main thing. But the data supports that. That data shows that, yes, cultural fit is important to firms. And I get all of that. But diversity is key. Right. So if you are part of an organization that is really not diversified, that impacts your ability to be as progressive and as innovative as you can be when it comes time to offering your services. And so that is something to think about as well. But, you know, culture is important, right? I mean, and, and so people, people rely on that because it's, if you find somebody that you want to join your firm and they feel like a cultural fit, then it's easier for you to pull the trigger on that individual, as opposed to maybe running across someone that equally probably could do the job based on their background and skill set, but you're unsure of them, you know, being a cultural fit because say everybody in your office is really outgoing and engaging and exercises and does outdoor activities, yet and still that person that you're thinking about hiring is a homebody. And 
you know, pretty much stays at their desk most of the day. How, you know, you have to decide, you know, you may very well need to hire somebody like that, even if they aren't necessarily the perfect cultural fit because they could get the job done. And those are those are real conversations that you must have. And I think it's important that information is coming up, especially in the recruitment and retention survey, because all of that information is is huge. And I know people every year that would be chomping at the bit to get the data from this recruitment and retention survey, because it certainly helps to inform whether it's HR or whether it's leadership, what are the mandates for hiring and, and bringing on additional talent? Yeah, I had one couple of thoughts about that. The bias, I mean, the potential bias that you were speaking to, you know, from just hiring somebody that has the, that's a good cultural fit and stifling diversity, equity, inclusion efforts. That's a huge piece of it. And then also, if you continually hire for cultural fit, it might slow down the natural evolution of the culture over time. And it's interesting that you said about, you talked about how you might see somebody that goes to the gym or doesn't go to the gym, but I work rem- fully remotely, as do a lot of people at Zwei Group. And I'm in, in uh, Tampa, Florida, and I feel like nobody, or at least I don't know whether I'm a cultural fit at Zwei Group. I hope that I am. I feel like I am. But uh, how do you tell in a remote environment, right? When somebody, most of the work that you're doing with someone is, is through Zoom. It's getting harder to do, to make sure that someone is a cultural fit in this environment too. Yeah. And you, you know, you bring up a really good point. And I think I just, I was just reading an article about just the fact that, you know, remote work, there are some companies that are coming back full force into the office, but the numbers don't bear that out as being the lion's share of companies. And I say that to say that there's still like half of the commercial spaces in most major cities are like 50% utilized. So the numbers don't bear that out, right? I think what you're finding what you're finding is a hybrid environment where people are spending some time in the office, but then they're working from home from time to time. Remote work created a huge opportunity, especially for women, um, for mothers that needed to, you know, maybe run an errand for the kids or take somebody to soccer practice, but still get some work done. You know, there are a number of factors that play into that. And then, then when you look at all of this, the hybrid environment, as important as it is, the benefit of the hybrid environment to afford you that ability to diagnose the cultural fit of individuals. So you, you just gave the example of yourself, but now I've personally met you because you've been at an event where you and other Zwei colleagues that also work virtually or remotely came to, and you guys just recently had an Elevate AEC event in Frisco, Texas at the time of us recording this, where you all got to come together. And so you know, I think there are there are opportunities for companies to determine cultural fit, and even if it's in the span of a of a long weekend, you know, at a larger event that, that company is part of, I think that's there are ways to do that. What I have found with some companies that have had a lot of success in the design industry space is that they've been very intentional about bringing their folks together a couple of times a year, and I'm thinking specifically of a, of a company like um, CES out of Middletown, Connecticut. They have people as far away as Montana and they bring people in. They got folks in Florida. They got people, I want to say DC. Uh, they've got a few locations where their folks are up, up in Boston. It's improper. And then in Middletown and they bring their people in from everywhere. They have two check-ins a year 
where, you know what I'm saying? Where you're able to have that experience because you could, you could make the same argument for the folks in Dallas, right? Well, the folks of Dallas are in Dallas with Swy Group and they're not in Fayetteville, but it's the same thing. And I, I would just, you know, I find it interesting because I know I came from a time when that was like heresy <laughs> to talk about remote work, I, I was, even hybrid I was work. Listening to, it was, yeah. it was heresy. It was like, nobody ever did that. It was like, you know, Mark or, or, or somebody, they would look at you crooked or cross-eyed if you asked to work from home for any period of time, unless you were sick. And so it's just changed a lot. Even in the time that I left Zweig working full-time in 2019. And of course we've, we have the pandemic as something that has kind of pushed us in that direction, but I don't believe that there is any going back, Keith. I think the, the cat is out of the bag People have had a different experience when it comes to work. And what's been proven, and I know this for a fact, just speaking specifically with Zwy Group, is that you guys haven't really missed a beat. You know, from a performance perspective, from a growth perspective, you are not missing a beat. And that the same can be said for several design firms that I have personally talked to that have utilized a much more relaxed hybrid work environment. And they're like, I mean, they're actually their utilization rate is even higher. Now explain that, right? I mean, because you know you're you're the data guy. Explain all of that, and that's why I think it's important for us to really kind of dig in and understand why this is. And some of that has to do with culture. Some of that has mm-hmm. to do with the leadership, where leaders trust their people and hire. They hire and keep them um, informed and keep them informed, and they just hire people that are of you know the highest level of just high quality individuals. You know, people that stand behind their word. If they say they're going to do something, they're going to do it. Some nights I'm going to sit behind my work desk at home until eight or nine o'clock to get it done. And then other nights I may check out at two because I've got to run some errands with the kids or take my son or daughter to the hair salon or barbershop. I mean, you know, there's that give and go. Whereas before you were almost afraid to ask your, your boss, you know, can I run to the store or I need to pick up my kids early from school or I need to leave early because I've got a out of town soccer game with my son or whatever. I mean, you know, just right, right. that's things have changed. Yeah. So I think I'm it's really interesting. I'm yeah, happy that ab- they have. <laughs> absolutely. I think everybody's here for, it. and when you like, you talk about culture, but there's also the generational impact, right? And that, that plays a huge role into this as well. And so I'd be, I'd be interested to see as you guys are continuing to gather data that you're able to get some more generation specific data. Cause you've got, Pretty much the boomers are slowly retiring and aging out of this industry. I'm Gen X, so you know we're we're the next to go. But I mean, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. But there are peers of mine that are talking about retirement. I don't ever want to retire, but that's just me personally, right? Then you've got millennials, then you've got the, the Gen Z folks, and so each generation is going to present different opportunities and and options to address their needs. You know, one of my hopes is that Zwy Group is certainly able to, through the insights program and everything else that you guys are doing, are able to distill that information from a generational level, because I think that will also be valuable information for design firm leaders to have as they move forward and try to make policy and try to interact with the widest audience possible when it comes to building and creating a viable workforce for their organization. Yeah, I agree. So finally, what about policies, procedures, and benefits? What is the biggest thing that stood out to you with, with regard to this? And, and I'd, I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are about PP and B. This, this one is, is funny because it 
kind of goes hand in hand with all the remote work that we're talking about. The firm's ability to successfully hire new talent, firms rated their geographic location much lower than in 2022. It dropped from a 4.0 to 2.9. Um, that, that, that was a huge jump within within our data set, you know. And obviously, this is this is pretty clear. This is what we were just talking about reasons. I mean, remote work that's uh, that's uh, all over the all all over the place. Improved virtual collaboration tools such as this that we're using right now. Tech has tech has become more sophisticated, uh, makes teamwork much more seamless and efficient. And then you know, diversity, diversifying the talent pools by not hiring from your own geographic location. And you're you've opened up to hire folks from potentially you know improving innovation and cultural diversity. So that was very interesting to me. Which I mean, it goes hand in hand with all the other stuff. A few implications though of that. And I think you talked about this a little bit with the commercial real estate space, but I think decreased, maybe there's a benefit to that too, right? Like decreased urban dependency, it could lead to less urban congestion, maybe decreasing living costs in places like, I, like, like I'm in right now. And then uh, the evolving role of, of uh, offices where we're instead of being a daily workspace, it's just for occasional meetings and such, similar to, to how I think Zwei Group's using the Fayetteville office. Um, right. So, exactly. Yeah. And that's like right across the street from where I'm recording this right now. So I get to keep right. an eye on them all the time. <laughs> so just for you guys in Fayetteville, I'm always watching, but, but no, seriously, that's a, that's a really good point with the geographic piece, right? Because I've talked to somebody recently, I was actually just talking. One of the things, if, if there was one thing that we took away from the pandemic was that when work dried up in one area, but I had the resources in another area, I was able to or I was able to keep up and I had the work coming from another area, I was able to shift work. And so that I, you know, I kept people busy and that's what I'm hearing from some firm leaders. That was one thing that I guess a geographic agnostic, if you will. So it wasn't about where we were. It was about who was available. If X person was available with X talent and I needed that work and they were in Des Moines and the work that I was doing was in Washington, D.C. Well, I mean, I can I can have them do that work, you know, I mean, because we do that now. I mean, I do that now with virtual assistants that I hire and work with that are halfway around the country, uh, around the world. So that's just that's, part, you know, that geographic location piece is important to understand. And that's I think that's going to continue to evolve, as you said, as technology improves and as as people are able to shift information, because, you know, back in the day. When I first started in this industry, it was a lot to move big, big design files from one place to another. I mean, you could barely do it in your own office, much less across the country. Now, you don't bat an eye at it. It can be done in a heartbeat. So all of that plays into this. So, so no, that, that's exciting. And I, I would imagine that for you, for somebody that's a, a data wonk, you've got to be excited about what the future holds for all of the different ways that data can be portrayed, all of the different ways that data can be contained and disseminated. Is there one specific thing that stands out to you that maybe some of us lay people in the design industry wouldn't really think about, but that is something that really for you, you're like really excited about because you know it's going to make a difference for people that are the end user? I think automation and and not specifically AI, like we've been speaking about it, or that's the buzzword around the industry. I think there's so much automation that happens in tools like Zapier. And uh, I think there's another one out there that's similar to it. But I do a lot of automation in my work using tools that are business intelligence or 
ETL tools. Now it seems like you can do all that for free with cloud-based tools like Zapier. And I think that is, is a game changer, you know, to automate simple tasks that um, that might take you uh, repetitive tasks that might take you a long, long time to do, but they're easy to do. You can automate those and just ship them off. And I think that's going to change the industry. I, I didn't think so. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I'm, I'm trying to learn a little bit about some of that automation now. And I have become AI's best friend. And, um, you know, I, it's just amazing what you can do and the time that it takes me to do things now. You know, and of course, I'm not just blindly using AI. I think you have to use it responsibly. But I do believe that it cuts down on the amount of time that it takes for you to get some things done. And so, you know, you still have to have that oversight. You still can't just leave it to its own devices, just like I probably wouldn't trust a Tesla to drive me up and down the interstate at this moment. Maybe down the road, I would. I I might trust it to just keep me in my lane but that's about it. <laughs> that's lame. about it. I'm not going to start reading the paper <laughs> or eating my lunch or doing other untold things in my car to prove that autonomous driving is here because I'm not sure and I don't want to end up on the front of USA Today. So, you know, so that's the least of it. But well, Keith, man, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you taking time. And like I told you, I think I had said a long time ago, man, I'm going to get you on this podcast and, you know, we're going to have a conversation with some of your insights, no pun intended. And and I appreciate you for doing that. And I think that what I want people to take away from this is that there's a lot of stuff coming. I mean, you're, you're back in that kitchen cooking up a storm and I'm going to be excited to see what you come up with. And I'm rooting for you, of course, as everybody is in the company, but I also think the industry is rooting for you because this is an industry that, that deserves to have the most timely and beneficial information that it it can at its fingertips. And I don't know that that we've always been able to say that. And I can say that because I've been involved with this industry for multiple decades since going back to 97. I know I don't look that old, but I remember when and things have changed. And so for people like you, for young whippersnappers like yourself that have the understanding and the wherewithal to kind of grasp what kind of needs to be done next, you know, I'm I'm handing the baton to you saying, take it and run with it, man. And and I wish you nothing but the best as you continue to explore what's possible with data and with the insights that that data drives here within Zwei Group and specifically for the design industry. So thank you so much for taking time just to have a short conversation with us today. We We really appreciate it. Thank you, Randy. I truly appreciate it too. This is amazing. Thank you so much. Absolutely. If people want to contact you now, Keith, there's someone putting you on the spot. What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Email ksequera, K-S-E-Q-U-E-I-R-A at zweigroup.com. Perfect. Yeah. And we'll put that on the show notes. I'll also put a link to the Zweig Insights on the show notes so you can find it. And we'll definitely, and I'll put uh, Keith's LinkedIn profile on there so you can look him up. But he's the real deal, folks. And certainly if you have data questions or have ideas or even something that you've been thinking about, it would be great if Zweig could capture this information. This is the guy that you need to reach out to. If there's anybody that can make it happen, it would be Keith. So definitely please reach out to him. And so Keith Sequera, thank you so much for joining us today on this Zwag Letter Podcast. We really appreciate it. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of the Zwag Letter Podcast. Remember to learn more about the Zwag Letter Podcast. You can visit us at zwiggroup.com. And please just do me a favor. Subscribe to the Zwag Letter, please. It is the oldest. I think it's the oldest running 
newsletter in the design industry space. It's been going back since 1992. So much great information is on there. Thousands of articles. You can even read some of your boys' articles on there. And Keith has some articles on there as well. So I want to encourage you to check out the writing in this wide letter. It comes out every Monday. You can even subscribe for your whole company. So you can get your Excel spreadsheet with everybody's name and email address. And the good folks at Zwei Group will set you up so that everybody in the company gets a copy of the Zweig Letter newsletter. And then that way you guys can stay on top of all the amazing things that are happening in the design industry space. And especially as more data information is shared through the work that Keith is doing and the rest of his team, it's certainly you'll be one of the first people to learn about that. So please subscribe today. Remember, the Zweig Letter podcast comes out quite frequently on a Thursday. You can't miss it. So I really want to encourage you to tune in. And remember, we have over, as of the recording of this, 228 other episodes that you could choose from. So you can just go to zygroup.com, click on the podcast tab, and um, take a listen to anything that we have available. And we're, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, Google. So we're on every major podcasting platform. I'm your host, Randy Wilburning. We'll see you back here soon with another brand new episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Zweig Letter Podcast. We hope that you can be part of elevating the industry and that you can apply our advice and information to your daily professional life. For a free digital subscription to the Zweig Letter, please visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe to gain more wisdom and inspiration in addition to information about leadership, finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today.